I'm talking about this. This is one of the hardest things for me tonight. I Put me in prison tonight. I mean, seriously. Um, I'd rather be in prison. Um, no, it's good to be here tonight. Um, thank you, Pastor. You mean the world to me. And I said I wasn't going to get emotional tonight. I said I wasn't going to get emotional tonight. And I'm going to try not to. But you getting a little bit choked up, boy, it's going to get me choked up too. But uh, we are blessed tonight. And um, most of y'all know who we are. There might be a few faces that don't. Live stream's going. I'm excited about that. And there might be some people who don't. So let me do, let me do more introduction. I've gotten a little bit good at it. Um, not real good. I'm still nowhere near where I need to be. Um, you know, but um, uh, needless to say, we are the Bushy family, and we are with Rock of Ages Ministries. Um, we joined March 20th during the pandemic. We didn't know if we'd make it back. Um, we went to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, and they were, said they were shutting state lines. So we didn't know if we were going to make it back to North Carolina. But needless to say, God had a specific plan for our life. And so we've just tried to be faithful to that. Um, but my wife's with me tonight. Bentley's, uh, Kristen, and then Bentley's back there. Bella's back there as well. Blaze and Bronx are in the nursery right now with uh, my mother-in-law. And then our sixth edition, because y'all know we have one in heaven, our sixth edition, the next baby bee. Uh, is a boy. For those of you who do, did not know, we're having another boy. I've got a video to show you sometime if you want to see what happens when the sister finds out it's another boy. Um, it's one of the worst tantrums you've ever seen. Um, but needless to say, we are grateful. Um, God is growing our family physically, spiritually, and we're just excited. Um, and as Pastor said, uh, why would God call us right now? Um, you know, churches... When we, when we joined the minute, when we started to go on deputation, um, for about four weeks, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. So we were here. We were out in, the, out in the yard. We were online. We were doing what we needed to be doing. And Mother's Day was the last day we were with y'all. And I didn't know when we were going to get come back, but I see awesome August. We're going to be back for awesome August. So uh, praise God for that. But uh, it's been 10 weeks now, and we're just excited. We've been a little bit of everywhere. I've, we've been way up in the mountains. We've been at the coast. Uh, matter of fact, we're going... Um, we'll be leaving out Saturday. We're going to Florida. We'll be there for a week. We're going to go present the ministry down there. Um, I contact a pastor. Lord willing, we'll be in a missions conference in March down there. And so we're just a little bit of everywhere right now. And we're just trying to be faithful. Um, but i just tell you a little bit about the prison. Um, the prisons are closed right now. Most of them are closed. We can't get in, um, but we can still get literature in. So we're, sending, we're still sending mail to them. They're sending mail back on Father's Day. I got a phone call, and many of y'all remember Reggie. I get a collect call from Raleigh, and on the other side of the line was Reggie. Reggie called me. He gets 10 minutes just to talk, and he said, Brother, he said, I had to wish my favorite father a Father's Day. And you talking about, man, there's something there. I can't explain it until you get a letter or you get a phone call from an inmate that just cares so much to reach out to you. You know, um, we're free. They're not. But they haven't forgotten, nor um, is the Spirit any different for them than it is you here tonight. Um, God's still the same. And so needless to say, God's just been working. Um, I, I kind of want to give you more of an update than a presentation tonight. But um, we've, like I say, we've been on deputation. We were way up in the mountains Sunday morning um, down a road that I, I don't know who drove that road. I don't know how it got there. But I wouldn't advise you to go down it. Um, there was 80-foot drop-offs on this road. There was guardrails gone. And I mean, we were a little bit nervous. Kristen said, honey, I ain't feeling good. I said, I ain't neither, and I'm driving. And um, so we ended up 
out this little mountain church, and we, man, I'm talking about it, what a blessing it was. We had a tremendous time with these folks. I uh, was able to preach up there Sunday morning, and then we were locally, uh, not far from here Sunday evening, but um, we've just enjoyed every bit of deputation. Has it had its challenges? Absolutely. Anybody tells you deputation is easy and they're, they're lying to you? Um, there's nothing easy about deputation. I talked to a pastor this morning, and he told me, he said, Brother, I don't know how y'all doing it. He said, I couldn't imagine being a missionary right now and going on deputation. He said, I just couldn't imagine it. But we're not doing it. Let me remind you, uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6 says, not by, work, not, by my, not by my power, not by my might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. We're not doing this. I promise you we're not. All we are is just servants. We're just trying to follow the leading of the Lord. And so um, I want to give you a verse. I just want to give you something the Lord laid on my heart. And this is where he called us. I think I've used this verse here before. And I want to give you this because I think it's important. Um, it's our call to the prison ministry. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35, 36. It says, For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was a thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. And now all that sounds great. But if we skip down to verse 40, is where the rubber hits the road. It says, And the king shall say and answer unto them, Verily I said unto you, Insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, you have done it to me. We've got to be willing the homeless. Oh man, the homeless. Uh, we've personally made it a mission when we go to New York City to carry care packages. And so we try to give them a little bit of food. We try to give them a gospel track and speak to them and show them that we love them. I can't imagine. I've never seen San Francisco. I'm, I'd like to go, but I've never seen that before. And I can't imagine that. But what I can't imagine is the prison. And I've been in the prison. And that song we sung just a little bit, it's my desire. I remember where God brought me from. For many of you, you've never, you've never been in a prison. For many of you, you've volunteered, but that's as far as it goes. I've been locked up before, and I know what it's like to sit on the other side. It's not a joy. It's nothing to be excited about. But I, I can thank God to where He's brought me from. I'm not in there today. Now, I wasn't in there a long time. I just spent a night or two. But boy, when you've had your rights taken from you, when you've had your freedom taken from you, they tell you when you do things. You know, our nation's going that way right now. They're trying to tell us what we can do and what we can't do. But praise God, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to praise Him because He's worthy tonight. Not because somebody tells me I have to or don't have to, but because He's worthy of it. We need to stand like Daniel did and we need to give it no matter what. You know what? Daniel, he bowed down. He just kept going. You know what? you got to go pray to that idol. Oh, no, sir. I'm still praying to Jehovah. And that's what we ought to do tonight. But I'm just grateful to be here tonight. Oh, man, I, I, I'm kind of lost for words. Um, let me do say this. If my children, which are supposed to be doing their jobs, they're supposed to be giving bookmarks and they're supposed to be giving prayer cards. If you didn't get one, please get one before you go. Number one, the bookmark, drop it in your Bible. When you're praying, when you're reading, pray for us. Please do pray for us. Pray for the incarcerated. But this one, this is what I've learned recently. Do you know where this goes? Your prayer card? It goes on your refrigerator. The reason it goes on your refrigerator is because you visit there very often. Secondly, when you see that refrigerator and you open up and you see them missionaries on there, you say, they've got to eat too. Let's pray for them. And you know what? It'll mean the world to us. I'm here to tell you. God's met our need. We needed a vehicle. God provided a vehicle two weeks ago. And we're grateful for that. Um, I had three vehicles and all three of them were down. And God provided a vehicle. And so we're grateful for that tonight. But let me just give you a quick fact, and then I'll move on, and we'll get into the preaching. Um, there's over 2.3 million people incarcerated in America right now. Just let that sink in for a minute. 2.3 million people incarcerated right now in America. 23% of those 
will get released and stay out. The other 77% are going right back in. Some of y'all have met some of the guys up there at Wilkes and uh, had the opportunity to speak with them. One of them has been in eight times. One of the guys, um, matter of fact, um, well, I won't give names, but another one of the guys has been in three times. I mean, it's habitual. It's habitual. A, a, a second time habitual. That's four times. And so needless to say, these guys were telling us all um, that they've been in for so long. Another, another fact is that 12 people die each day in prison. That's 12 souls that enter into eternity. Lost or saved, they're entering into eternity. Week before last, we know what happened. America started executions back. They were executing. I praise God that we're going to get, with Rock of Ages, we're going to be able to go in and we're going to be able to go into the, to the capital punishment camps and we're going to be able to, get to give them the gospel. We may be the last uh, person they see before they're executed. Yeah, I know that's kind of morbid, but at the same time, if they get saved, praise God, they're going to spend all of eternity in heaven. That bondage won't mean nothing. It's just a vapor. It's gone, but they'll get to spend all of eternity in heaven. So, um, as of January 1st, 2020, there was 35,000 inmates in North Carolina. Of those, um, there's almost 80,000 on probation. There is 12,500 on post-release or parole. You add all those numbers up, it's 127,000 individuals in North Carolina alone. The population in, North, in Statesville is only 24,000. That's five times the amount of people in the population of Statesville that are in, that are in the system right now. Um, of those, 32,000 are men and almost 3,000 are women. We've got a problem. And we've got to get to them, you know, and somebody's got to care. And I'm grateful that God's burdened me for these inmates. Um, six years ago in the building right across the road, Brother Barry come to me and he said, Brother, how would you like to go into prison with me? I said, uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh, I ain't going in there. And uh, needless to say, he asked me a little bit later on and we went and praise God, a year later, God called me to preach in a prison service. I preached my very first sermon on my birthday, May the 15th of 2015. I'll never forget that night. I've preached more in out of prison than I've out of, and then I've out of prison. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity. And thankful over the past three years, I've got to uh, administer or lead. I don't know what you want to call it, but God's allowed me to head that up here for the past three years. And for the past year and a half, you know, we've been taking inmates out. And so we were at a church present another day. I said, I don't know if y'all know the guy that was with me. I said, but he was an inmate. I said, but, and they didn't care. And I'm glad they didn't because if I go into a church that has a problem with an inmate, I don't need to be there. Because if you can't love them, you can't love me. You know, we're supposed to love everybody equally. I don't see where Jesus only went to certain people. And I'm going to preach on that tonight. But um, that's just some reality of that. And um, we're just grateful. Like I say, with Rock of Ages, we'll be doing um, um, cell-to-cell visitation. We'll be doing discipleship. We'll be going um, on prison, uh, on revival teams. I got my paperwork in last week for South Carolina. So as soon as South Carolina opens up, I'm back in South Carolina. I'm going in South Carolina. Uh, met at that little country church out in the middle of nowhere that you can't find. I met the chaplain of a, of a prison down in South Carolina there. He said, just let me know when you want to come. I got you set up. And so God, God orchestrates us. I can't, I can't explain it. I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain it. I'm just going to tell you God's good, and I'm just on board. Wherever he wants to take me, I'm going. Um, I'd rather be in the will of God than out of the will of God doing what I think I need to be doing. Um, so we're just, we're grateful for that. Um, but needless to say, we're going to be in North and South Carolina. So we're not going to be far from you, but we're going to be all over the place. Uh, Lord willing, there's over 50 camps we're going to get into. Um, and so we're excited. I'm already trying to set up some things for that. Y'all pray for the North Carolina. Um, of course, our government needs prayer. There's no doubt on that. But um, they're not going to even possibly open up till October. 
So we're trying to get in. We're trying to get in. But we're still sending stuff in. We're trying to reach the inmate. We're trying to uh, minister to them and trying to uh, see them saved. You know what? If we can just get one, just one, God can do a mighty work with that one. And so um, we're grateful to be here tonight. Like I say, I can't say that enough. Uh, my wife says, uh, when we going? When we going? When we going? When we going back to Calvary? And I said, honey, I said, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. She said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. She's chomping at me. She's, she's smiling ear to ear. Let me point her out. But uh, we, we have been excited. It's good to be home. I feel a little awkward. I feel like the visitor here tonight. It's been so long. And uh, so needless to say, I appreciate it. When Pastor allowed, he said, he said, I got your night set up. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it. But at the same time, nerves started right then. And so needless to say, uh, uh, I'm just, I'm excited. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of lost for words tonight. But uh, if you've got your Bible, will you flip with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 8? I will ask you, like I say, just pray for us. Um, uh, Y'all, first church to take us on for support. And we've had others, and we're excited about that. And God knows our need and knows what we, what we, what we need to get to get, continue going. Our family's still growing, so we have needs all the time. Um, if you think of a good B name, come to us after the service, um, because we're considering all kinds of boy B names right now. But uh, we, we love the Lord, and we just want to serve Him tonight. And so um, I just, I'm, I'm going to get straight into this. Um, I'm going to go into Luke chapter 8. Um, I'm going to start in verse number 26. I'm not going to ask you to stand tonight because I'm going to read some Scripture. Um, like I said, it's not me that's going to get anything across tonight. It's the Word of God. And so the Holy Spirit's got to work. And so needless to say, I'm going to start in verse 26. And it says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when they went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes he had caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven out of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it into the city and into the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man, out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They, were all, they also saw it, told them by what means he was that possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the countries of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out, the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine house, and show how great things Jesus hath done unto thee. And he went his way, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come in here and worship. God, what, what a great time it's already been of fellowship. God, what a great time it's been of music. Oh, man, Lord, I just I can't get enough of being able to worship you. And Lord, uh, Lord we need you tonight. Lord, I know I need you. God, I'm preaching, but I need you tonight. I need your presence. God, we need you as a, we need you just to move powerfully in here tonight. God, I pray 
Lord, whatever everybody brought in with them, Lord, if they brought a burden, God, I pray they'd lay it at the cross tonight. Uh, there's no reason to carry it out of here with them. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for where you've brought us from. Lord, as we preach tonight, God, Lord, it's not about us. It's all about you. Father, if we ever take our eyes off of you, Lord, we know we'll be like Peter and we'll sink. But, oh, God, I'm glad when we cry out, Lord, you're there to grab us and grab us, bring us back. God, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would be glorified and you would be edified. And, Christ, you would be uplifted because it's not about anybody else but the name of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we find this same story, and this is a common story. We find this same story in three of the Gospels. Here, also in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, and Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. But I just want to take a few minutes and preach on this very, very familiar passage. I titled this message, and I don't know if I picked it up from somebody else. I don't know if it just come to me. I don't, I don't remember how it came. But I titled this message, From Maniac to Missionary. Or you may call this a changed life. But there was one life that was changed because of one that was willing to be used of God. And of course, this one I'm talking about is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the, the missionary, if we want to call him tonight, was the missionary that went out and reached this one man. Jesus, the greatest missionary of all time. You know, if we're going to pattern anything by it, if I'm going to pattern the ministry that I'm part of, I'm going to pattern after Jesus Christ. That's what the whole work's about. It's not about uh, what can I do or what, what do I No, we pattern it by Jesus Christ and God gets the glory from that. And so we're supposed to follow what Jesus has done for us. I'll give you a quick definition here. Uh, a missionary, and I looked this up, a missionary is defined as a person sent by a church into an area to carry, carry on evangelism and other activities. Another definition was a person who was sent on a mission. So we think about that first one, a person that is sent by a church into an area to carry out evangelism or other activities. If you flip, if you flip a page back and you look at Luke chapter number eight, verse number one, it says, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. If you were to flip over to Matthew chapter number nine, verse 35, it says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sick and every disease among the people. Jesus was going literally from city to city, village to village. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was healing. He was showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of heaven. Literally, he was an evangelist proclaiming the gospel. And who was the gospel? He was the gospel. He was telling them, I'm, the, I'm telling you of my death, my burial, and my resurrection. They learned that later on. They didn't realize what he was talking about when he said this, this temple will be raised back in three days. They weren't getting that at the time. Our Bible says that clearly. But over time, they, after that, they realized that. But then I look at the second definition. It says a person who was sent on a mission. Jesus had a mission to be fulfilled. We think back, why did Jesus come? Well, he didn't come to get spit on. He didn't come to, for, for them to pull out his beard. He didn't come for any other reason. He came for us. He came to die on the cross. John 6 and 38 says, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. I'm telling you what, if you're going through life and you're doing your own thing, you're missing out. What we should be doing is we should be doing for Christ. What would Christ have me to do? Where would he have me to go? Please let me explain to you tonight. I remember two years ago, I left Calvary. I, I, sought, pastors, I sought pastor's counsel on this. And I left Calvary and I tried to go pastor a church. And for three months, we went there sun, Sunday after Sunday. They only had Sunday services. And I preached, and I really wanted to help that church. God was saying no. And I was like, Lord, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. I want my name up on that sign. I wanted. 
I wanted. And maybe you relate to me tonight, but I wanted. And the whole time God was like, that's not what I want. And so I had to surrender and say, God, what is your will for me? The last place I want to be in is in a prison. Let me tell you, one of the most, one of the most I mean, people, I've, many of y'all have been in the prison with me. And one of the sounds that you just can't get over is that clinging of that gate. When they shut you in there and you can't just freely walk out. Now, I know at Wilkes is, is, is minimum. Now, I've been to a medium. I haven't been to Max yet, but that's coming. But into a, a medium, man, the guard sits on the, or the officer sits over there with a gun. I mean, in the tower the whole time you're up and, and you're walking through there. Officer never left me. The whole time I was in that service, he never left me. I've never seen so much razor wire. I didn't know they made that much razor wire. I mean, you see it and it's like, what in the world? And I mean, that's not even the worst of the prisons. There's worse than that. And so needless to say, Jesus came to fulfill a mission. God had a specific plan for Jesus. And Jesus never took his eyes off the plan either. Isaiah 50 and 7 says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Had Jesus not been willing, to, uh, had Jesus not been willing the maniac turned missionary may have never been saved. More than that, Legion, um, Legion would have never been able to go into the town like he did. More than that, you and me may have never been saved if Jesus wasn't willing to go to that cross. If he said, you know what, I've endured enough, I'm done, I can't take anymore. Because realize, he was fully God, but he was fully man on that cross. He felt the pain, and he freely laid down his hands. I can't get over that. Just a, They didn't have to pull his arms out, he laid his arms out. Amen. And he let them drive them nails into his hands. Man, I, I love y'all to death, but I don't know that I'm willing to, to do that. I mean, I don't know that I'm willing to inflict pain and, and, and damage upon myself for anyone. Now, I mean, for my child, I'm willing to go through leaps and bounds. And y'all who are parents in here can relate to that. But to go for another person, someone that just spit on him, somebody just pulled out his beard, somebody that pl plaited a crown of thorns on him, I don't know that I'd be willing to do that tonight. But Jesus was. Let me remind you that Jesus went for just one life. I believe that if that one life had just been me, or if that one life had just been you, he'd have still went. He'd have still come, he'd have still died on the cross, and he'd have still paid the price for you and me tonight. In this case, it was for Legion, or as many of us know him, the maniac of Gadara. Another time, and I love this story, is the woman at the well. Oh, if you'll just dive into that story, you'll gain so much. She was a woman. Jews didn't, Jews didn't just, you know, the women didn't speak. They didn't have nothing to do with that. She was a Samaritan. That was a whole other type of person. They were downgraded. They didn't talk to those people. But needless to say, Jesus went out of his way for that one woman. Jesus went out of his way for legion. Jesus was willing to go just for one. And let me tell you tonight, if that one gets filled up with the Holy Spirit and gains that knowledge of God's grace and God's mercy, things are going to change. Things are going to happen. When you read the rest of these stories, you'll find out that it was because of one that many lives were changed. Whole towns, whole cities because of one individual. I think about those that turned the world upside down. You know, we, they, uh, we, we read the book of Acts about Jason and those during that. They had to find somebody. They were just doing stuff, and they were like, we got to shut them down. That's what the world's scared of the church today. Amen. The world starts doing, uh, the, the church starts doing what it's supposed to be doing. Oh, goodness, the world's just quaking. They're like, oh, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Think back um, in, in Genesis. I think back of uh, Rahab. Rahab said, we had already heard of y'all. When she took the two spies in, she said, we'd already heard of y'all. We knew of y'all. We were fearing y'all. And surely enough, that's what, that's what happens in our world today. 
So let me give you a little bit of context on where we're at. If you were to look back in the book of uh, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 8, you would see some exciting things were happening. We see a leper was healed in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. We see that the centurion servant was healed in verses 5 through 13. We see that Peter's mother-in-law was healed. And uh, I know that's a hard one for some people. Their mother-in-law, ooh, that's a hard one. She's going to be healed. But Peter's mother-in-law was healed um, in verses 14 through 18. So there were some great things going on. There were some mountaintop moments. And I know we all like the mountaintop moments. That's just exciting. You know what? It's great when we're all up on the mountaintop. Nobody likes to be in the valley. But let, uh, people, were, people were sick and being healed. People were diseased and being healed. But then Jesus tells his disciple to climb into a ship after all this has taken place. And let's head across the sea. So they get in the ship, as they've done many times before. Think now, four of them were fishermen that we know of. They knew a ship. They knew, they knew the waters. They knew exactly what to do. So they climbed into the ship. But what happened next wasn't a mountaintop moment. It, it just, I've never, as I read this story, and whether you read it in the book of Matthew or Mark or Luke, it's still the same account. The same thing happens. Different details, but still the same account. They all got in the ship. They all started across. But please, let me, understand, let me get to you tonight this, that Jesus and the disciples had struggles and storms of their own. And when they got in that ship and they headed across, Jesus said, we're going. And so they headed across. But if you remember what happened, there was a storm. In Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, there became a storm. But I love that Jesus told them, he said, Even, he said, we're going across. He said, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. He didn't say, let's get halfway. Let's get a little ways and then turn back. He said, let's go across. And that's the promise he brings you tonight. He said, we're going across. We're going home. Not only are we going home, we have a mission while we're here. You know what? We're not all missionaries to say, but what we all are is we have a mission. We have something to accomplish for Jesus Christ. You know what? Your place of work, your place of ministry is different from the next. But you have a specific plan and a specific purpose for your life. And I don't know, personally, I don't know what that is. I've, I've, I've struggled with my own until God just revealed it and He just gave me confirmation over that. But through these storms in our life, God hasn't left us. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, For He has said, I would never leave thee nor forsake thee. He hasn't went anywhere. You know what? When we're like, oh God, where are you at? It's us that is turning away from Him, not Him turning away from us. He is there and He is there because He's there for you. He's there for me. And there's someone somewhere that you need to reach. There's someone that God's got you here for. I, I don't know who it is. I don't know why. But I know, you, I know that's what, 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 he's here, what you're here for, is to bring God glory. Amen. So that brings me to tonight. I'm going to get to the points now, and really, well, I'll start moving along here. So I want to point out some things about this missionary, or this maniac turned missionary. My wife made sure. She said, don't say missionary to maniac. Um, and I, I said, honey, I said, I'll, I'll mix everything up. Because I feel like that maniac turned missionary. Um, if, if you ever just wanted just to hear my testimony, and I really give it in depth, um, I feel like this missionary, uh, this maniac turned missionary. Because I was about as lost as they came, and God came by, and he saved my soul. And now I'm a missionary. Who would have told me that five years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago? If you'd have told me that 12 years ago, I told you you were crazy because I wasn't going to step foot in a church house. So needless to say, I want to I show you a couple points here tonight. First point is, he was a person. Verse number 27, if you, if you look back at verse number 27, it says, let me get on the right page here. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man. Now, I think that's critical that we notice that the Bible uses a certain man. You know what? They want us, 
obviously we're trying to get across that there was an individual there. You know what? He was a person, and not only do we know he's a person, I think back on May the 15th, 1986, there was a baby boy, baby boy born to Michael and Esther. Um, this baby boy was a person. Unlike the, unlike the world today, your scientists, your teachers, and everything else, saying that whatever's in that belly is not a baby, and they're wanting to kill it and everything else, let me tell you tonight that that's this person. There's a life, there's a destiny, there's something that God has, there's a purpose for that individual tonight. And unlike, um, praise God, that that baby on May the 15th wasn't aborted, even though it was thought about, that baby stands before you today. I'm a person today. You're a person in here today. And unlike, like I say, what our politics and everything else tries to tell us, we are, we are a person. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I knew thee, but before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Psalm 139, 16 says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in all thy book all my members were written, while in continuance was fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Before you even, before you, your, your mom and your dad even thought about you, God knew about you. Isaiah 49 and 5 says, And now saith the, the, the Lord that formed me out, of, out from the womb to be his servant. Not only are we a uh, person in here tonight, but we were all prisoners at one time. We're going to minister to people that are physically in bonds, but spiritually, where are you at tonight? Now, there may be somebody in here tonight that's spiritually in bonds. I don't know. I can't know a person's heart. We've been in a lot of different churches. I've presented a lot of different places, got to preach a lot of different places. I don't know them from, I know you, like personally, I've got a relationship with many of you, but that doesn't mean I know your heart. You know what? You can put the facade on all day long. Maybe it's time to check up because maybe you're spiritually in prison and don't even realize it tonight. But with that being said, uh, so I, I want to explain that a little bit better, that maybe you haven't committed a crime. Maybe you haven't done anything worthy of prison. But you know what? Before I was saved, I was, in a, I was a prisoner spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. Drugs ruled my life. Alcohol ruled my life. Sin ruled my life. And that's all I cared about. That's all that, that I wanted. I was a slave to sin and slave to Satan. You know what? If it was something I knew was wrong, I was going to get into it. Yeah. You know what? I didn't care about the things of God. The last place I wanted to be is a church house. And many of these inmates we're going to go minister to, they feel the same way. But re remind you this, we're all sinners. Psalm 51.1 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 58.3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Psalm 3, um, Romans 3 and 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not a single person in here is without sin tonight. So inmates that are in prison are in the same shape. Some of them will never leave again. When we were up in Craigie, I prayed with an individual, spent time with him after service. I was told later on he had three life sentences. He'll never, he was in his 60s. He'll never see the other side of those gates. The most freedom he's going to get is in a chapel service when he's getting to worship when, or when he gets alone with the Lord. Let me rephrase that because I'm here to tell you, if you get down on the altar and you spend some time with the Lord, you can give, get free and you can get peace real easy. So needless to say, that individual's never coming out. But can you imagine being in physical bonds and then being in spiritual bonds? So now you'll spend, your etern you'll spend all your human life in a prison cell. And then when it comes time, when death comes, you'll spend the rest of your life in eternity in hell. So someone has got to reach these individuals. Somebody has got to care. Who's going to care? 
That's the question. But I, I, I love this about my Bible. I love this about my King James Bible. It excites me when I read this. We know this verse, but do we understand this verse? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My favorite, I love the word in there, whosoever. Oh, goodness, that's a person. I don't know which person it is, but that's a person. You know what? I wonder what type of person would fit into the whosoever column. You think about this. Would it be you? Would it be me? Would it be the neighbor? Um... What about the coworker that you work with? What about a family member? What about an inmate? What about a homeless person? Everybody fits into the whosoever. There's no black, there's no white, there's no green, there's no yellow. There's no, if you've got this amount of money or if you don't have this amount of money. Do you know the testimony, the reason that we came to Calvary is because I heard my pastor say that it didn't matter who you were, you were welcome at Calvary. We were lurking, we were looking, we were searching. And that's why we're here today. And I praise God for a man that's willing to stand. And, and, and he shows that. He doesn't just say that. He shows that love. And I praise God for that. I praise God that my Savior died on the cross for everybody. He didn't say only certain people could be. So I'm thankful today that, that whosoever's in my Bible. So we see this man was a person. Next, we see this man had a past. If you jump down to verse number 35, it says, And then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Let me, let me tell you that every single person in here has a past. Amen. You know what? Oh, I've never been down that road. You've been down a different road. I don't know what road you've been down. Oh, well, I didn't go down the drugs and the alcohol. Okay. You're still a sinner. You're still living outside the will of God. You know what? There's no difference between Jew and Greek. There's no difference between um, uh, Gentile and Jew. You know what? We're all the same. We're all sinners in need of Jesus Christ. And if we can't come to that term, then we'll never be all right. We're in a society today that says these people matter and these people don't. This matters and this doesn't. I can't find that in my Bible. I can't find that. And I'm sure glad that even though I've got a past, and I, I shamefully can tell you about it, but I don't, want to get, I don't want Satan to get no glory from that. I want to tell you where I'm going. Paul said to keep his eyes on the prize set before him. He didn't say look back in the rear mirror and, oh, well, you know what? That's where I was. That's what I was doing. He didn't say nothing about that. Keep the mind straight ahead. Amen. You know what? We've got some things in our past. And we can tell people, hey, don't go down that road. I went down that road. Don't do that. You know what? I've, had, man, I've heard some of the most powerful testimonies sitting in a prison service and heard a man tell me what he'd been through. I had a man tell me one time, I don't know who was in there. One of y'all might have been in there. Might have been Brother Barry. I don't know who was in there that night. He stood up and he said, I thank God that I'm in prison. I'm, what? You know, you don't hear that very often. He said, I thank God that I'm in prison. He said, my family come to visit me one day. And so it was visitation. It was on the weekend. He said, and as my wife and my daughter came, he said, uh, we began to talk. And needless to say, he was able to lead his nine-year-old daughter to the Lord right there in the visiting center of the prison. Now, would that happen outside of it? I don't know. We won't know, but praise God, his daughter's saved because of it today. So if you look into verses number 27 and verse 29, it says that, um, and when he went forth to the land and there met him out of the city, a certain man, which had devils a long time. Now notice about this and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs, then jump down to 29 for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for oftentimes he had caught him and he kept him bound with chains and fetters. 
and he broke the bands and was driven out of the uh, out, uh, driven of the devil out into the wilderness. So he was naked. He didn't live in a house. He was placed in restraints that couldn't hold him. Could you imagine to see this man? I mean, running around stark naked. I mean, cuts cuts on his body. I mean, running around in the tombs. You know, there's a graveyard right over there. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be in the graveyard. I'd rather be in the church house. But isn't it interesting how there's always a graveyard? There's death and then there's life. And they're always side by side. Because we always stand right there. Death and life, death and life. You get in your vehicle and leave tonight. Lord forbid it was to happen, but you could go on to eternity. Because death and life are always there. We're fragile. God reminds us of that daily. You know, the coronavirus right now. So many people are struggling. We're on the uh, prayer line on Rock of Ages. I'm not joking. My phone goes off continuously. There's somebody that needs prayer. There's somebody standing on that, on that cusp between death and life. And it's, I always thought it was interesting how the, the church is right beside the graveyard. There's death right there, but there's life right here. And you don't have to go to death. You can come to life. And so it just, it, it's amazing. But we all have a past. And if we took the time right now to look back at each person in here and look back at your past, it would be eye-opening to see where you've come from. Brother, I was praying for you a long time ago. And to see you up here singing tonight, I think your nerves had to be worse than my nerves. But I don't know. But anyways, when I seen you, and when you got up there, I was like, wow. You know what? I remember praying for you years ago and how God just watched that. You know what? Don't give up on prayer. Keep on praying. When you feel like you don't want to pray, pray anyways. You know what? The best, the best time of my day is when I get alone with the Lord. I've got a trail that I walk out by the, out by the pasture. And every Sunday morning, oh God. Oh, he rains down. Buddy, I'll get out there so tired, I can't see straight. And Kristen's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to pray. And I can't see. I mean, I'm just barely awake. It's like I need a cup of coffee or some caffeine. And I get out there. An hour later, I'll come back in. And oh man, the Spirit of God has just been all over me. Just I've gotten His presence and I've just enjoyed every bit of it. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Make sure you're getting in your prayer life. But sadly, this man was condemned by other people because of his past. You know, I, I look at the inmate, and so many of them are condemned. They get out, and they can't get a job. They're convicted felons. Automatically, you can't give them a job because they've got a past. I've got a past, too. I've got a job. What's the difference? We all make mistakes. You know what? If God can forgive us, why can't we forgive others? They couldn't believe this man had radically changed. When I went in on March, the, March 2008, and I got saved that Sunday morning, and I went in the very next day to work, people had to have been flabbergasted. What in the world? I mean, I was telling people how to get, I'm, you need to get saved. You're dying and going to hell. You need Jesus. And I mean, I was just running around telling everybody. Now, I probably, I probably burnt some bridges, but I didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to lead anybody to the Lord. I thought, man, I've got to do this. I've got to save everybody. I've just got to run because I didn't know no better. I just wanted them to have what I had. And praise God, it ain't left. Now, sometimes I get a little quiet, but praise God, it ain't left. But needless to say, this man was no longer naked. He was no longer bound, and he was no longer running around like a lunatic. He wasn't a maniac anymore, and they couldn't get over that. People, people can't get over your past sometimes, neither, especially family members, because they know what you were. And that's why it's hard for me to come in here, because y'all know me. <laughs> y'all know me. I go into somewhere else. They don't know me at all. But uh, needless to say, everyone has a past. And you know as well as I do, some people won't let it go. Some people, it doesn't matter what you do, you can, get, you can move heaven and you can move earth for them and they're still not going to let it go because they're going to hold that against you. And there's no doubt 
that people aren't going to let it go. They're just going to be like they are. And, you know, I, I pity them. I pray God saves them. I pray they get saved. Warren Wisby said it this way, Do not say, why were the former days better than these? You do, not, you do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rear mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an acre to drag you. We must learn from the past and not live in the past. Inmates in a prison, same thing. They committed a crime. But should they be condemned, uh, condemned for all their, by us? Not to be reached out to and not to care about? Um, Jesus covers this pretty good in Isaiah 6, 64 and 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. We are all unrighteous as filthy rags. There's not a single one that stands and says, oh, I, I've never done it. I've used the example before, and I know I've used it here, and I use it over and over again. That cell phone you carry with you, you get on it, you go down, don't do it, but get on, you get on it, you're going over here on 901, you get on your cell phone, and you're like, oh, man, this is important text. You pick it up, you start reading that text. Next thing you know, you're not paying attention to what you're doing. That car pulls out in front of you. You've hit and killed somebody. Do you know what happens? You get convicted of manslaughter. Five years mandatory. You're a born-again Christian doing everything right and you let one mistake, one slip-up, put you in prison. You know what? Some of those men, I've heard their stories. I've read some of the, I've read some of the rap sheets. I've read a whole lot of rap sheets. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, wow, this individual is not capable of that. But remember what Isaiah said, we're, we're, our hearts, or Jeremiah said, we're, our hearts are wicked. You know, there's nothing good in us. So we see he was a person not only was a person, he had a past. Next we see he had a, a plea. In verse number 28, it says, and, we, and when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, what, do I, what, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, son of the most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Here the maniac is pleading with Jesus. I thought this was pretty neat. A, pl- a plead is literally a request made, made urgent in an emotional manner. Remember Peter in Matthew 14 and 6? But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried saying, Lord, save me. He was pleading, Lord, Lord, I'm dying. Save me. He couldn't get out a full length prayer. He just said, Lord, save me. And sometimes that's what we have to come to. Oh, Lord, save me. I've heard it before. I've heard it over and over again. And the fact of the matter is, is God just wants our heart. If we'll give him our heart, he'll, he'll, he'll do with the rest. But I love the very next verse in there in Matthew 14 and 31, what, he, what Jesus does. And, and immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. That day that I went to the altar, and I told Jesus, I, and I told God I was a sinner, and I wanted him to come into my life. It wasn't an hour later. It wasn't a week later that the Holy Spirit moved in. He moved in right then. Oh, when I come up from that, oh, God, I was a new man. I wasn't the same as what I used to be. And I praise God that I'm not who I used to be anymore. But a plead also means something else in regards to an inmate. Think about this. A formal statement by or behalf of a defendant or prisoner standing guilty or innocent in response or stating guilty or innocent in response to a charge offering an allegation of fact or claiming that a point of law should apply. When you came to God to receive salvation, you made a plea. You said, I'm guilty as charged. I'm a sinner. You didn't say, oh, I've I've done a little bit of stuff, but you know what? I'm, I'm really kind of a good person. No, that's still pride. You have to get over the pride and say, you know what? I'm humbly coming. I can do nothing without you. I need you as my Lord and my Savior. I love Romans 10 and 13. And here it goes again. For whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody can be saved. 
And maybe there's somebody in here tonight. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody in here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I meant you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he, His death, burial, and resurrection, and call out to Him for salvation. No simpler plan in the entire world. You can't think about it an easier one. A three-year-old can do it. A four-year-old, a five-year-old. Bentley was five. I mean, praise God that he was five. I wish I would have got saved when I was five. I was 21 when I got saved. But praise God. As, as simple as a child can, can believe on Jesus Christ. So we see he was a person. He had a past. And then lastly, and I'm closing, he had a purpose. In verse 39, and oh, I love this verse. Because he wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to do his thing. Verse 38 tells us that. He wanted to do his thing. But verse 39 says, Jesus told him, he said, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he did it. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Isn't it amazing what God can do with somebody that's just willing? He didn't say, Lord, I've got something else I want to go do first. He just said, Lord, wherever. It don't matter where you place me or what you want me to do. I'm going to do it for you. Have you ever just thought about God? When you have something as big as God living in you through the Holy Spirit, there's no telling what, what's, what, what's going to happen. Truly, there's no telling what's going to happen. Say, well, I can never do that. I promise you I'm a whole lot more comfortable sitting in a chair than I am up here. I promise you I'm a whole lot more comfortable outside of a prison than I am inside of a prison. You know what? Something could, bad could happen. Uh, brother, uh, brother Looney, I know, was with us the last time we were up there, and they said a fight broke out. Well, what did we do? We just hunkered down where we were at and just waited. Uh, we've, we've not had a, bit, a lot of big issues. I know Brother Allen can testify to when a, uh, a, a murder takes place. They shut the whole place down. You don't go anywhere. You just hang tight. And, I mean, things happen, but God's put you there for a purpose. Amen. You're here tonight for a purpose. You're not here because it was just somewhere to be tonight. You're here because you, got, you come to get in. And come to get with the word. Uh, come to get um, the presence of the Lord tonight. Thomas Carlyle said, "A man without a pr- uh, purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a waft, a nothing, a no man. Have a purpose in life, and having it, throw such strength of mind and muscle into your work as God has given you." This man now had a purpose. Now he lived in the tombs. He was naked. He was cut up. I mean, there was no purpose in life. He was chained. But now here he is, going back to where he used to be. The people knew him there. They'd sent him out. You know, he drove him out into the wilderness. But here he is going back to the people. And now he's telling them about Jesus. God, Jesus said, go back. Go tell them. And so he went back and published it. Did you know that we were commanded to do the same exact thing? Amen. There's not a single person in here not commanded to do the same thing? Well, brother, where do you find that? Matthew chapter number 18, verse 19 and verse 20. Go ye therefore into the world and teach all, names, uh, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are all called to give the gospel. That's right. Amen. All of us are called to give the gospel. Amen. Some of us do it better than others. Some of us are like me and can't shut up. And then some of us are real quiet, like my wife, and it takes everything. It took three years to get her up in front of an inmate just to give her testimony for two minutes. But you know what? You have an impact. And it don't matter who you are or how little or how big you think you are, God can use you. You know what? If we'll just, little as much when God is in it, if we'll just let God be God. So our world needs Jesus. There's no doubt in that. You turn on the news today. Lord, don't turn on the news today. You turn on the news, you need to go repent after you've done watched it. I know I do. I've just got to go find a place and say, Lord, I've done let the carnal get a hold of me. 
I can't, I, I can't do it. Uh, I tell you all, I cannot do it. Um, but needless to say, you, you look at our country. You look just right down the road. We don't have to go far to see the wickedness. Just pull up in Union Grove. Just pull up right down the road. I mean, go over here to the little old town of Olin where there's more cows than there are people. And you know what? You're going to find out. There's people that are lost, that are dying, and they're going to hell, and they need Jesus. But needless to say, I, 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 we have to go. We have to be willing. Isaiah said it like this. If you're not sure, do like Isaiah said. Isaiah 6 and 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. You know what? Just be willing. <laughs> Lord, I'm going. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'm jumping on board. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do it. Whatever you send me, Lord, and I promise you he'll take care of you. But I love that because he had a purpose, there was a result to it. If you, if, uh, if you, if you were in Mark chapter 5, you see this. And he departed, or chapter 5, verse 20, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. There was some stuff being stirred. There were some people being helped. Just like the woman at the well, she went back and told them. They said, we believe because of what you said. Others said, we don't, we're not believing because of what you said, but because of what Jesus said. You know what? People are going to believe because of your testimony. But let me tell you, those that won't believe because of your testimony, I believe because of the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what penetrates. When you give your testimony, you're just giving what the Holy Spirit's just laying on you to give out. So that's all it is. I'll end on this. John Wesley said it like this. I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. I'm grateful to be here tonight. I'm grateful that God has called us to the mission field. I'm grateful that there's somebody that cares. There's somebody that cared enough for me. They come and told me about Jesus Christ. I'm grateful there's a church right here that cares for people. It didn't get this big because it didn't care. It's not care. It's, it's not, the missions aren't growing because it doesn't care. It's because people do care. And I'm grateful for you tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here tonight. God, I'm thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful that because of my, even though I have a past, Lord, I'm still a person you cared enough to go to the cross for. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that if we'll just get down and give that plea, God, of guilty, God, you'll save us from our sin. And then, Lord, I'm grateful tonight that you've got a purpose for me. You've got a purpose for each one of us tonight, God. I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be uplifted. I pray that your, your word is set out to accomplish what you set out for it to. Lord, we love you and thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.